recited verses 155 to 157 of Surah Al-Baqarah and then stated, And say not of those who are slain in the way of Allah that they are dead. Nay, they are living, only you perceive not. And we will try you with something of fear and hunger and loss of wealth and lives and fruits. But give glad tidings to those who patiently persevere who, when a misfortune overtakes them, say, Surely to Allah we belong, and to Him shall we return. Allah the Almighty has stated regarding those who sacrifice their lives in His way that they are not dead but are living. In the Ahmadiyya Muslim Jamaat, giving up one's life in the way of Allah the Almighty has been in practice for over 100 years. Have these sacrifices been in vain? No. In fact, aside from elevating the status of these martyrs in accordance with his promise, Allah the Almighty has bestowed the Jamaat with even greater progress than before. 
whereas on the one hand these martyrs have acquired a distinct status in the hereafter, which has specifically been reserved for them, and that their status will continue to be elevated. On the other hand, they have left behind a shining legacy in this world as well. Moreover, having sacrificed their lives in the way of Allah the Almighty is not only a means of bestowing them with eternal life, but is a means of breathing new life into the Jamaat as well. It is these very individuals who are serving as a means of granting life and progress for those who they leave behind. How then can they be considered dead? Sacrificing one's life for the Ahmadiyya Jamaat, the precedence of which was set by the sacrifice of Hazrat Sahibzada Sayyid Abdul Latif Shaheed, the martyr, anhu, has generally been confined to the Ahmadis in Afghanistan and the subcontinent. Then, in Congo, Africa, a devoted Ahmadi sacrificed his life in 2005 purely for the sake of the Jamaat. Recently, in Burkina Faso, which is a country in the continent of Africa, members of his Jamaat collectively demonstrated a remarkable and truly unique example of the utmost love, loyalty, sincerity, faith and conviction. These individuals were given the opportunity to deny the truthfulness of the Promised Messiah and to accept the belief that Jesus is alive in the heavens and will descend down from it, as a result of which their lives would be spared. However, these individuals who were filled with faith and conviction, whose faith was even stronger than the mountains, replied, Everyone is going to eventually pass away. If not today, then tomorrow. Thus, we cannot compromise our faith in exchange of saving our lives. We cannot abandon the truth which we have witnessed for ourselves. And thus, each one of them, one after the other, gave up their lives. Their women and children were also witnessing these scenes but they remained in control of their emotions. Thus, these are the people who have written a new chapter of sacrifices in the history of Ahmadiyyat, i.e. after the lifetime of the Promised Messiah wherein Hazrat Sahibzada Sahib offered a sacrifice. They sacrificed their lives in this world and in turn attained an eternal life. They indeed fulfilled the oath that they had taken to sacrifice their lives, wealth and time and indeed fulfilled it in such a manner that despite having joined later, they surpassed those who had joined before them. May Allah the Almighty enable each one of them to become the recipient of those glad tidings 
which he has given to those who offer sacrifices in his way. Now I will briefly speak about the lives of these martyrs, such lives that demonstrate that they were always resolute and firm in their faith. According to the reports, there is a Jamaat in the city of Dori, Burkina Faso, where Mahdi Abad is located. On the 11th of January, at the time of Isha prayer, nine Ahmadi elders were martyred one by one because they refused to renounce Islam Ahmadiyyat. This occurred in the courtyard of the mosque in front of all those who had gathered for prayer. Surely to Allah we belong, and to Him shall we return. According to the report, eight armed men arrived at the mosque on four motorcycles at the time for Isha prayer. Prior to coming to the Ahmadiyya Mosque, these armed men were in the nearby Wahhabi Mosque, where they stayed from Maghrib prayer to the Isha prayer. However, no one was harmed in the Wahhabi Mosque, because they only came to attack Ahmadis. When these terrorists arrived at the Ahmadiyya Mosque, the Adhan was being proclaimed. By this time, some attendees of prayer had already arrived and some were still arriving. After the Azan had finished, the terrorist told the Muaddin to announce that everyone should come inside the mosque quickly because some people have come and they wish to speak to them. Then, when all the attendees had gathered, the terrorist asked who the Imam was. Al-Hajj Ibrahim Bidiga Sahib told them that he was the Imam of the mosque. When they asked who the deputy Imam was, Umar Ag Abdurrahman Sahib said that he was the deputy Imam. When it was time for prayers, Imam Ibrahim Sahib asked the terrorists to let them offer prayers. But the terrorists did not allow them to pray. The armed men asked the Imam many questions about the beliefs of the Ahmadi Muslim community, which the Imam Sahib answered with complete steadfastness and bravery. Imam Sahib said that we are Muslims and we believe in the Holy Prophet The terrorists asked what sect they belong to, upon which Imam Sahib replied that we belong to the Ahmadi Muslim community. Then Imam Sahib was asked regarding our beliefs and he explained to them, The terrorists asked that according to your beliefs, is Prophet Jesus alive or has he passed away? Imam Sahib said that the Prophet Jesus had passed away. Regardless, these terrorists said that in fact Jesus was alive in the heavens and that he will come back to kill the Dajjal and solve the problems of the Muslims. These people are still clinging on to this hope. They then asked who is the Imam Mahdi? Imam Sahib replied that Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmed Qadiani has come as the Imam Mahdi and the promised Messiah. In the end, these armed men said that after listening to these words, Ahmadis are not Muslims, 
Rather, most certainly they are disbelievers. After this, the armed men took Imam Sahib to the adjoining Ahmadiyya sewing center. Pictures of the Prophet Sallallahu and the Caliphs of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community hung on the walls. With these pictures, they took Imam Sahib back to the mosque and then asked Imam Sahib about these pictures. Imam Sahib told them the names of the Prophet Sallallahu and the Caliphs and introduced each picture one by one and said that the Promised Messiah has come as the Imam Mahdi and the Messiah. Upon this, the terrorists said that the Promised Messiah's claim to prophethood was false, God forbid. Then these terrorists made separate groups of those that had gathered and divided them into children, young men and elders. Including the young, the old and the women, there were approximately 60 to 70 people present at the time. On the other side of the curtain, 10 to 12 women were present for prayer. After dividing them into groups based on age, the terrorists told the Ansar to go to the courtyard of the mosque. At the time, 10 elders were present in the mosque, among whom there was an elder who was physically impaired. When he got up to go along with his Ansar brothers, the terrorists said to him that he was of no use and forced him to sit back down. They took the other nine members and took them to the courtyard. They made them stand in the courtyard and said to Imam Ibrahim Badiga Sahib that if he rejects Ahmadiyyat, his life would be spared. Imam Sahib replied, If you wish to, you can cut off my head, but I cannot leave Ahmadiyyat. It is not possible for me to turn back from the truth that I have accepted. What is the value of life in comparison to faith? The terrorists placed a large knife on the neck of Imam Sahib and tried to pin him down to kill him. But Imam Sahib resisted and said, Instead of giving my life laying down, I would prefer to be killed while standing. Upon hearing this, they shot Imam Sahib and martyred him. The first martyrdom was of Imam Al-Haj Ibrahim Bidiga Sahib. After mercilessly martyring Imam Sahib, the terrorists thought that the remaining men would become afraid and turn away from their faith. Thus, they said to the next Ahmadi elder, Forsake Ahmadiyyat, or you too will meet the same end as your Imam. With great courage and bravery, this elder said, It is not possible for me to abandon Ahmadiyyat. The path upon which our Imam has given his life, we will also tread the same path. Upon hearing this, they shot him in the head and martyred him. Those who were left behind were asked one by one to deny the Imam Mahdi and leave Ahmadiyyat. If they did so, nothing would be said to them and they would be allowed to live. Whilst displaying resolve greater than mountains, all the members embraced and accepted martyrdom with the utmost bravery and valour. Not a single one of them showed even the slightest weakness, nor did they forsake Ahmadiyyat. One after the other, they fell to the ground as they were martyred, yet no one's faith was shaken. Each of them displayed resolute conviction and fearlessness, and whilst raising aloft the banner of their faith, they gave their lives in the way of Allah. Three or so bullets were fired at each of the martyrs. Among the nine martyrs, there were also twin brothers. 
when eight individuals had been martyred, there only remained Umar Ag Abdurman Sahib, who was 44 years of age. In terms of age, he was the youngest of the martyrs. The terrorists said to him that he was young and could save himself by abandoning Ahmadiyyat. But he replied with great courage, I am also prepared to follow my Imam and elders and lay down my life for the sake of my faith, which is the path of truth. Upon this, they mercilessly martyred him as well. Whilst mentioning Hazrat Sahib Zada Abdul Latif Sahib Shaheed, the Promised Messiah mentioned a vision at the end of his book, The Narrative of Two Martyrdoms. He wrote that God Almighty stated to him in a vision, God Almighty will produce many in his stead. The Promised Messiah deduced from this vision of his that, I hope that after the martyrdom of Sahib Zada Sahib, Allah the Almighty will bring many more in his place. We are a witness that today people living in Africa as a whole have followed this example and done justice to following in these footsteps. From the time the terrorists entered the mosque to the detailed discussion about the teachings and this entire ordeal up until they left the mosque lasted approximately one hour and a half. One cannot begin to imagine the distress and pain the children and the rest of the people were experiencing in this time as their elders were being martyred before their very eyes. After leaving the mosque, the terrorists did not flee immediately. Rather, they remained in Mahdiabad for quite a while and the armed men threatened the people in the mosque that it would be better for you if you all abandon Ahmadiyyat. We will return once again and if you have not left Ahmadiyyat or if anyone has tried to open the mosque, then you all will be killed. In relation to when the Mahdi Abad Jamaat was established and information regarding it, it is mentioned the mission was officially established here at the end of 1998. The Jamaat grew rapidly and in 1999 the overwhelming majority of the Tikniwil village accepted Ahmadiyyat and thereby a sincere Jamaat was established. Prior to accepting Ahmadiyyat, the Imam of this village Al-Hajj Ibrahim Bidiga Sahib was the most prominent Wahhabi Imam of the area. He pledged allegiance after thorough research. After pledging allegiance, he became a passionate preacher, a fearless missionary and a courageous soldier of the Jamaat. I have not yet mentioned this, but it is said that when he pledged his allegiance, his friends and fellow scholars questioned as to why he had accepted Ahmadiyyat. He answered, I have found gold. It is the command of Allah the Almighty and the prophecy of the Holy Prophet 
are all being fulfilled and the Holy Quran testifies to this. So how can I reject it and remain deprived? In any case, Imam Sahib was a very knowledgeable person. All the people of this village belong to the Damashik tribe and they all speak the Damashik language. The total population of the Damashik people is said to be close to 200,000. They reside all over Burkina Faso, Niger, Mali and Algeria. 99% of them are Muslims. Most of them hold extreme Wahhabi beliefs. Although there are not many Damashik people who converted to Ahmadiyyat, the Damashik residents of Mahdiabad were the first among them to pledge allegiance to the Promised Messiah Furthermore, after making such an extraordinary sacrifice, they have attained their own special rank. In 2004, when a large deposit of gold was discovered in that region, the mining company built a residential area close to that village and told everyone to relocate there. The majority of the people that moved were Ahmadis and there were very few non-Ahmadi households. Thus, the new village that was formed comprised mainly of Ahmadis. Imam Ibrahim Sai proposed that the new village should not be given the same old name and so he wrote to me to name the village. Thus, it was named Mahdiabad. In 2008, a modern village was constructed there by the IAAAE. Amenities such as water and electricity were provided. This was the first model village project in Burkina Faso and the entire world. Through this project, the village was provided with amenities such as electricity, water, a sewing school and so forth. Regarding their burial, it is written in the report that the terrorists spent an hour and a half in the mosque and created such a dreadful atmosphere that the bodies of the martyrs were unmoved throughout the night. The danger remained that as the terrorists had not left the village, if anyone tried to remove the bodies, they too could have been killed. There was a military base in the nearby vicinity that was informed of the incident. However, no one came from there, nor did any personnel from any security agency arrive at the scene. The martyrs were buried on 12th of January at 10 a.m. in Mahdiabad. Now I'll briefly introduce each of the martyrs. Al-Hajj Ibrahim Bidiga Sahib, the Imam who I've already spoken about, was 68 years old at the time of his martyrdom. Due to his pursuit of education, he also lived in Saudi Arabia for a while. He was a great scholar of the Tamashik language and was an exegete in the Holy Quran in his language. He took the Pledge of Allegiance in 1999. Prior to accepting Ahmadiyyat, Imam Ibrahim Badiga Sahib was the chief Imam of many villages. Numerous scholars in this zone considered themselves fortunate to be able to sit in his company and learn from him. At least once a year, the scholars and preachers of that region would come to stay with him and derive benefit from his company. Their numbers would even reach up to 500 and they would stay with him for a week. 
It is said that the annual meeting of scholars and imams would take place in his presence. According to his students, even in those days, Imam Sahib would say, The truth has not yet come to light, for only a few people accept the truth. Even though hundreds of Imams come to be in my presence and apparently consider one another to be Muslim. But when the truth comes to light, those who accept it will be few in number. These people will then even abandon me as well. He was pious, righteous and wise and in light of the conditions deduced that the truth was yet to become manifest. He arrived at the conclusion that these people would become the opposition and behave just as the enemies of prophets have always acted. Nonetheless, he had decided in his heart that he would accept the truth once it came to light. In 1998, when a permanent Ahmadiyya Muslim mission was established in Dori, the message of Ahmadiyyat also reached Imam Ibrahim. It was during a tabligh campaign in a market that Al-Hajj Bidiga Sahib heard the name Ahmadiyya for the first time. He learned that Ahmadis believe that Jesus had passed away and are conveying news of the advent of the Messiah and Mahdi. Thus, Ibrahim Bidiga Sahib and seven others travelled to the mission house in Dori in search of the truth. After a great deal of research, he accepted Ahmadiyyat. He had the honour of being the first Ahmadi in his zone. Our enemies object that we entice the poor and needy to pledge allegiance because they have no knowledge of religion. These martyrs have completely silenced such people. They accepted the truth after comprehending and understanding it and after that they became a model by making a sacrifice of the highest order. Nonetheless, Regarding Imam Ibrahim, it is further recorded, though it has already been mentioned, that he was a fearless soldier of the community. He was a courageous preacher and was a true embodiment of a devout Ahmadi. Ahmadi had spread throughout his region due to his preaching efforts. He established many local jamaats in the area. He actively participated in activities of the community. Before accepting Ahmadiyyat, he believed all other sects apart from the Wahhabis to be disbelievers. According to the Wahhabi belief, watching TV, going to school, playing or watching football, drawing pictures, all such things were unlawful. However, after accepting Ahmadiyyat, he abstained from all such erroneous beliefs and educated others about the truth. He also had the opportunity of attending the Jalsa here in the UK during the time of Hazrat Khalif Masih Rahimahullah in the year 2000. He was completely devoted to preaching. As mentioned earlier, even before accepting Ahmadiyyat, he was a man of stature and influence and was the chief Imam of many villages. After accepting Ahmadiyyat, he devoted himself to preaching. It was as though he desired for nothing else than to propagate the message. He had created WhatsApp groups for preaching and dedicated a group specifically for the Tamashik people. That group consisted of people from Mali, Niger, Ghana, Saudi Arabia, Libya, Tunisia, Ivory Coast and various other countries. He was continuously engaged in preaching to these people. 
He would record and send audio messages to them day and night. He was occupied only in this be it day or night. In response to him, many opponents would send him messages slandering him. He did, of course, face opposition, and he also received death threats. However, he never spoke to anyone in an angry tone. In fact, he would respond to those who sent him death threats by saying that he would pay for their journey so they could come and kill him. He would encourage the missionaries and Mualimin alike to preach, saying that it is merely an excuse to say that the circumstances are unfavorable and do not allow for visiting places and preaching. When circumstances are unfavorable, he used to say that one could preach through the media. He offered to pay for mobile phone data packages for those who could not afford it and encouraged everyone to create social media groups and engage in the jihad of preaching from the comfort of their homes. He had a desire and passion for preaching. Nasir Siddhu Sahib, who has served as a missionary in Burkina Faso, says, I arrived in Burkina Faso in 1997 and Hazrat Khalid Masih IV had entrusted me with the task of propagating the message. I did not know the language and so a duration of three months passed in just making a plan for this. Thereafter, I travelled and visited various villages and I also met the Imam of the village. When they heard about the death of Jesus and the advent of the Messiah and Mahdi, Ibrahim Bidiga Sahib came to the mission house in Dori along with seven other men and asked various questions. He remained with me for three days and for those three days he neither slept himself and nor allowed me to sleep. Thereafter they all left. We would have a discussion every day from morning till evening. The following week they came again and brought another Imam with them and continued their research for three months continuously. Though he had received the answers to most of his questions, however, he had not expressed his intentions yet to enter the fold of Ahmadiyyat. Nonetheless, I continued to write to Hazrat Khalid Musi the fourth rahimahullah for prayers. One day, Imam Sahib came and filled out the birth form. I asked about the other men as well who would visit regularly and inquired when they would do the birth. And he replied that they would all do the birth as well. But he came because he wanted to be the first among them to enter the fold of Ahmadiyyat. He had great love for Khilafat as well. The Amir Jamaat of Burkina Faso writes that around 45 villages were under Imam Sahib. He performed the Hajj and remained there to acquire further education. He spoke Arabic very well and did a lot of the bleak in the area. He would go to villages on cycle and by the grace of Allah the Almighty, he enlightened many people with the spiritual light of Ahmadiyyat. Through him, many prominent scholars of the area entered the fold of Ahmadiyyat. Many of the Jamaats in the area that were established owing to his tabliq efforts. Amir Sahib would write that whenever I would visit, Imam Sahib would ask how the Khalifa was. He would show great love for Khilafat. An example of this love is evident from the fact that despite not knowing the Urdu language, 
He would watch my classes with the children with great attention as if he could understand what was being said. He would say that by simply sitting in the gathering and observing it was a means of increasing his faith. He would take great care of the guests and generally spoke very little. But if ever he had to speak up for the sake of the Jamaat, then he would do so in a very passionate manner. He was a complete missionary and he held many debates and also question and answer sessions, both individually and collectively with the non-Ahmadis. Another missionary from Burkina Faso, Muhibullah Sahib, says, I knew these individuals personally, as I would often visit that area. They had great love for Khilafat and were extremely hospitable and loyal. When the young men would be out working all day, these elders would sit in the shade that was built outside the mosque and watch MTA. When they were martyred, I immediately received a phone call from a young man in which he informed me that these respected members had been martyred and that they were told that their lives would be spared if they renounced Ahmadiyyat. However, they preferred martyrdom instead. This young man then said to me, that if they martyr all of us, even then we shall not give up Ahmadiyyat. He said that these were only nine Ansar members. However, if they had martyred all of the Khudam and Lajna as well, even then we would not abandon Ahmadiyyat, inshallah. This was the spirit in which these sincere members of the Jamaat had instilled within them. When the elders train others and set their own example before them, then this is the level of passion and faith that is found amongst the people. The local missionary, Maiga Tidyan Sahib, says, Imam Ibrahim Sahib was receiving death threats. A few days prior to his martyrdom, he mentioned to me that he was receiving death threats and that they would kill him. With regards to his excellent morals, he states, he treated his family members and relatives with great kindness. It was his habit to treat everyone with compassion. To sacrifice for the sake of others and to demonstrate a spirit of sacrifice was an outstanding quality of his. He was a very honourable individual of the area and people respected him greatly. Whenever Ibrahim Saib would make a decision, people would have great regard for it and accept it. He had many students and some of them are serving as Imams and Muallims in the neighbouring countries and many of them are also serving as Muallims and local missionaries in Burkina Faso as well. He was an example for others in piety, righteousness and to excel one another in good deeds. Whenever he would tell the members of the Jamaat to partake in any project, he would first take part in it himself. If there was an appeal for financial sacrifices, he would be the first to contribute towards it. He would never remain behind in any Jamaat activity or Jalsa, Ishtama or any other event. He would offer his five daily prayers at the mosque and was regular in offering his Tahajjit prayers. If ever he was not present in a Jamaat program, then it meant that either he was unwell or he was travelling. He would never worry about spending his money for the sake of taking part in any Jamaat's activities. He had two wives and Allah the Almighty had granted him eleven children from them.
Khalid Mahmood Sahib, who is a missionary, writes that these individuals were filled with sincerity and loyalty. They were devoted to Khilafat and Ahmadiyyat. He writes, In 2008, when I, i.e. His Holiness, visited Ghana in the Khilafat Jubilee year and attended the Jalsa there, thousands of Ahmadis from Burkina Faso, Mali, etc. also came to meet me. At the time, the Ghana Jamaat had made very good arrangements for food and accommodation. However, some members, including those who had come from Dori, were delayed in getting food. Or perhaps they did not receive any food at all. And late into the night, some food was purchased from the market and given to them. At the time, I told the missionary who met me to apologize to the members on my behalf and also to console them. The missionary says that I went to them to apologize and when I conveyed your message, Al-Hajj Ibrahim Saib was the president of the Jamaat. He along with the other members said, We came to meet the Khalifa of the time and now that we have seen him and have met him, our hunger and tiredness has disappeared and we have no complaints. In fact, we are sitting here and only discussing about our meeting and deriving pleasure from it. In any case, I was also concerned at the time that they had travelled such a long distance and many of them had come on cycle and adequate arrangements were not made for them. And though immediate action was taken to make the necessary arrangements, however, they displayed an astonishing level of sincerity and loyalty. Even at the time when I received this response of theirs, I was amazed as to how strong these people were in their faith. A Muallim Al-Hajj Mahmood Diko Sahib says, Sharif Odi Sahib came to visit Benin and Imam Sahib travelled a thousand kilometres from Burkina Faso by bus in the night and reached there 3 a.m. in the morning. It was a 30-hour long tiring journey and the roads are also not in a good condition there. And yet, he was extremely joyful and smiling. They had to then further travel on from there as well, which he also did along with them and participated in all the programs. He had a great passion for Jamaat work. He would become extremely happy upon observing the mosque in Benin and would say, this is also proof of the truthfulness of the Promised Messiah Also, during the debates with non-Ahmadis, he would deliver speeches very eloquently in Arabic. On one occasion, there was a debate taking place between the Maulvis and Sharif Odeh Sahib and the Maulvis uttered something improper and so he stood up in anger and wanted to respond to them but when he was told to not say anything he immediately sat down. The non-Ahmadis then said that if they considered them to be Muslims then they should offer Salat behind them and in response he stood up and said how can we offer Salat behind those who call us kafir and do not accept the Imam of the stage? 
If you accept that the Prophet Muhammad is the Imam of the age, then we shall offer Salat behind you. A retired local Muallim from Benin writes that he was a living illustration of love for Khilafat. He would often say, The moment I received the message of Ahmadiyyat by a Pakistani missionary, I became an Ahmadi from that very moment. I have learnt that one's success in this world can only be achieved by attaching oneself to Khilafat, and this alone is the true path, and I shall remain firmly established upon it until my last breath. The Mualim Sahib says that indeed he truly fulfilled what he had said. Another local Mualim of Benin, Isa Sahib, says that he knew him since a long time. He was an Ahmadi who had no grievances with anyone. He was a true Ahmadi and one who was at the forefront of every deed, be it tabligh, janda, etc. He was always at the forefront. It is for this reason that the other eight Ansar members also followed his example and sacrificed their lives in the way of God. The principal of Jami Ahmadiyya Burkina Faso writes that a person saw a dream. Commenting on the dream, Hazrat Khalib Dumsi, the fourth Rahimahullah, wrote to the Amir, i.e. the national president, saying, the dream is blessed and it means that the soil of this country was fertile and ready to accept the truth. After my tour, God willing, they will shine brightly after accepting the truth. May God enable this to come to fruition. I believe that Hazrat Khalid Nasi IV did not manage to visit Burkina Faso. Nonetheless, I travelled there on a visit in 2004. The principal further writes, You, i.e. His Holiness, stated that I believe that the seed that has been sown in Burkina Faso will swiftly bear lasting fruits. The people of Burkina Faso are truly remarkable and I am pleased that Allah the Almighty has bestowed upon them the spiritual light of Ahmadiyyat. The focus and determination that I have seen amongst the members of the Burkina Faso Jamaat is truly astonishing. I hope that the extraordinary result of this tour will come to light in the next two or three years and the Jamaat will progress swiftly, God willing. I wrote this to him after my tour. From the Jamaats in Africa, I have seen that a special trait of the Burkina Faso Jamaat members was that each one of them would desire to embrace me. Furthermore, the love they had was exemplary. Principal Sahib further writes, Today, through their extraordinary sacrifice, the sincere devotees from Mahdiabad have attested to your words of truly remarkable people. The second of the martyrs is Al-Hassan Agmaniel Sahib. At the time of his martyrdom, he was 71 years old. He worked as a farmer. He accepted Ahmadiyyat in 1999 and was among the pioneer Ahmadis of the village. He was part of the delegation that went to the Dori Mission House along with Ibrahim Sahib in order to inquire about Ahmadiyyat. From the time he pledged allegiance, he continued to excel in his sincerity and loyalty. He had a sincere bond of loyalty with Khilafat. He was regular in offering the prayers in congregation and also offering the Tahajjid prayers. He would always partake in financial contributions and leave behind a pious model for his family. Overall, the way in which he sacrificed his life, wealth and time for the Jamaat was extraordinary. He could speak approximately four or five local languages of Burkina Faso, due to which he knew members of the Jamaat throughout the country. Due to knowing other languages, on the occasion of Jalsa Salana, he would meet with those guests who spoke other languages and spend time with them.
people were very fond of him and would enjoy spending time in his company. Whenever an in initiative of the Jamaat was announced, he would strive to take part of it. Last year, when the Jamaat members were encouraged to do waqf arzi Al-Hassan Sahib was the first to put his name down from the Mahdiabad Jamaat. In the Mahdiabad tragedy, his twin brother, Hussain Agmali al-Sahib, was also martyred. The next mention is Hussain Agmali al-Sahib. As stated, he was Al-Hassan Sahib's twin brother and was also 71 years old at the time of his martyrdom. He had the opportunity to pledge allegiance in 1999 and was among the pioneer Ahmadis in the village. He was part of the delegation with Al-Hajj Ibrahim Sahib who went to the Dori mission house to inquire about Ahmadiyyat. Before his martyrdom, he was serving as Zaim and Sarla of Mahdiabad. He had the skill of organizing the Ansar brothers in an excellent manner. He would keep the members involved in the activities and programs of the Jamaat. He organized many programs for their moral training. He would ensure for the cleaning of the mosque and other places through Vukhar Amal. He was regular in paying chanda and would offer the five daily prayers in the mosque. He was regular in offering the tajid prayers. As mentioned earlier, his twin brother was also martyred in the tragedy of Mahdiabad. They entered this world on the same day and departed from here on the same day also. The next martyr is Hamidu Ag Abdurrahman Sahib. He was 67 years old. He also worked as a farmer. He accepted Ahmadiyyat in 1999. He had a very pure heart and forbearing disposition. He was always at the forefront in Jamaat programs. If he was absent in any program, it would be assumed that there was an urgent matter or that he was unwell, otherwise he was never absent from any program. He was one of those who greatly assisted Imam Ibrahim Sahib. He ensured that his family remained attached to the Jamaat and would encourage them to attend Jamaat programs. He had a bond of loyalty with Khilafat Ahmadiyya. He would spend most of his time in the mosque and watch programs on MTA. He would especially watch my Friday sermons with full attention. Sule Ag Ibrahim Sahib. At the time of his martyrdom, he was 67. He also worked as a farmer. He was regular in his five daily prayers and in giving chanda. He was an active member of Majlis Ansarullah and a very sincere Ahmadi. He was a helper to Ibrahim Sahib and supported him greatly. By the grace of Allah, he was very intellectual and it was his habit to engage in talks on religion and secular topics. Whenever the Ansar members of the Jamaat would be involved in a discussion, he would always be present. He was a very noble and kind individual. Among his qualities was that he would deal kindly with everyone, young and old alike. On the way to Jalsa Salana or an Ishtama, if he ever found out that another member did not have money to attend or did not have enough money for the journey, he would pay for them himself so that they could attend. Travelling outside of Dori these days was very challenging due to the insurgency in the area by terrorists. Despite all these dangers, he travelled from Mehdiabad to Jalsa Salana Burkina Faso, which took place in the last week of December. Then there was Usman Ag Sude Sahib, who was 59 years old. He was a sincere and devoted Ahmadi. He would sacrifice his wealth and time for the sake of the Jamaat, 
and in the end, Allah the Almighty bestowed upon him the opportunity to sacrifice his life as well. During the construction of the mosque in Mahdiabad, he would provide water and assisted greatly throughout the construction process. He was regular in offering the prayers and giving janda. Whatever he would earn, he would first pay the janda out of it. Can a person with such a mindset have pledged allegiance out of greed for money as the opponents claim? He was a businessman by profession and had a shoe business. If a person came to him to buy any shoes but could not afford to buy a pair of shoes or did not have enough money, he would never let them leave empty-handed. If the customer did not have enough money, he would tell them that they can pay him later. Then there is Ali Ag Magal, who was born in 1970. He accepted Ahmadiyyat along with his father in 1999. He also worked as a farmer. He was the muazzin for the Ahmadiyya Jamaat in Bilare. A short while ago, when he was forced to move out of his village due to the terrorists, he came and settled in Mahdiabad. He was a very sincere Ahmadi. He was regular in his prayers and giving the janda. He would strive to take part in all the activities of the Jamaat. Then there is Musa Ag Idrahi, who was 53 years old at the time of his martyrdom. He also worked in farming. When it came to Jamaat activities, he would be at the forefront. Prior to accepting Ahmadiyyat, he was an active member of the Wahhabi sect. He regularly offered his prayers as well as the Tahajjit prayers. He would come to the mosque for Maghrib prayer and return home after offering the Shah prayers. He would spend the time between Maghrib and Isha in the mosque by remembering Allah the Almighty. Everyone has said about him that he was a true Ahmadi and a believer who practically demonstrated what it meant to be a sincere Ahmadi. He would write letters to me regularly requesting for prayers and would say that it was his habit to pray for the Khalifa. The ninth is Ag Abdurman Aguma. He was 44 years old at the time of his martyrdom. As it was mentioned earlier, he was the youngest of the martyrs. He accepted Ahmadiyyat in 1999 at the age of 20. After which, his connection and sincerity with the Jamaat continued to grow. He was a sincere and passionate member of the Mahdiabad community. He was the right hand of Imam Ibrahim Sahib, and he was also the deputy Imam in Mahdiabad Jamaat. When the terrorists entered the mosque, after asking about Imam Ibrahim Sahib, they asked who the deputy Imam was. Without any hesitation, he said that it was him. He was always among the first to reach the mosque. He would offer prayers with great fervor. He regularly offered the Tahajjit prayers. He would also bring his children with him to the mosque and paid special attention to their moral training. He was also regular in writing letters to me. He was an expert cyclist and would go on long journeys throughout the area. He travelled 265 kilometres from Dori to Wagadugu four times for the Khudam Lahmdi Ishtama. In 2008, he was part of the group that travelled by bicycle from Burkina Faso to Ghana to attend the Khilafat Jubilee Jalsa. The word Ag, which has been used with every name, according to my understanding, based on their reports, is the equivalent of Ibn, referring to whose son they were, meaning Ag, 
which indicates that they were the son of such and such person. In any case, it is further written about him that when eight people were martyred, Ag Abdurman Aguma was the only one remaining. He was the youngest in age. The terrorists said to him that he was still young and he could save his life by denouncing Ahmadiyyat. He bravely replied, saying that he would follow the same path of sacrifice made by his elders and that he was prepared to sacrifice his life for the sake of his faith. Upon this, he was brutally shot in the face and martyred. The conditions in Burkina Faso are generally dire. Terrorists are wreaking havoc in various areas. Just a few days ago, the Gaitsab of Dinia came to a central mission house at the headquarters and said that there was a grocery store in his village. And one day, a terrorist went there this is in a completely different area. He went to buy something and was looking everywhere. There were pictures of the Prophet Islam and the caliphs in the store. He asked Qaitab whose the pictures were. Qaitab replied that these were the pictures of the Prophet Islam and his caliphs. He replied saying that this was not the Prophet Messiah. Rather, some Muslims had simply come together and formed a group. And this was that very group who are disbelievers. Before leaving, he threatened the Qaid, saying that he should remove the pictures. Otherwise, if the pictures were still there the next time he came, then it would not be good for him. However, the Qaid Sahib left the pictures as they were. A few days later, that person returned to purchase some things and he saw that the pictures were still there and so he left. Qaisab related this incident and even asked for more pictures. Rather than getting scared, he said that he would put these pictures up in other locations as well. This entire area has been controlled by the terrorists for some time now, whereas the government has no control there at all. This area borders Mali, and on the other side, Dori borders Niger. In this way, the entire belt is under their control. In any case, these are the shining stars of Ahmadiyyat, who have left it behind a great example. May Allah the Almighty increase their progenies in sincerity and loyalty. The enemy thinks that their martyrdoms will lead to the end of Ahmadiyyat in that area. But, God willing, Ahmadiyyat will flourish and grow there even more than before. The administration there, including the Amir, should be wise and devise a plan for propagation and they should give reassurance to the people there as well. May Allah the Almighty continue to grant the families patience and strength. May he enable them to understand the purpose for which their elders sacrificed their lives. In any case, we will have to be wise and devise a plan there. I have already told them before as well that they should go out and propagate the message. 
in order to fulfill the needs of the families of the martyrs and to help them get back on their own two feet. There was a fund established during the era of Hazrat Khalifa Masih IV, Rahimahullah, known as the Sayyidina Bilal Fund, which is spent on the families of the martyrs. These days, after this incident took place, some people at an individual level and other organizations and even Jamaats have been sending donations in order to help fulfill the needs of the families. However, when a fund has already been established, everyone should make their donations to the Sayyidina Bilal Fund. And then they can specify that these donations are specifically for the martyrs in the Mahdiabad Jamaat in Dori. In any case, the headquarters will make the ultimate decision. Whether donations are made or not, the headquarters has to tend to the needs of these people, and it will, God willing. However, those who do wish to make donations should do so through Sayyidina Bilal Fund. And this is not a favour upon the families of the martyrs. In fact, it is our duty to look after their needs and to fulfil them. In the end, I will present a quote of the Promised Messiah wherein he states, Do not think that God will let you go to waste. You are a seed sown in the ground by God's own hand. God says that this seed will grow and blossom and it will branch out in every direction as it turns into a grand tree, God willing. Hence, blessed is he who believes in the words of God and does not fear the trials that appear along the way, because trials are necessary so that God may try you. These people who made the sacrifice have passed in this trial. Now it is a test of faith and certainty for those who have been left behind. May Allah the Almighty grant them the ability and us as well to remain complete in our faith and certainty. May Allah the Almighty continue to elevate the station of these martyrs. May He cause their sacrifice to bear fruit as a result of which we may see the true teachings of the Holy Prophet spread swiftly throughout the world. May the world be rid of its ignorance and may the true sovereignty of the one God be established in the world. Along with the funerals of these martyrs, which I will lead now after the prayers, there will also be the funeral prayers in absentia of the following two sincere members. One of them is Dr. Karimullah Zirvi Sahib, who was the son of Sufi Khudabak Zirvi Sahib. He was from the USA and passed away on 4th of January at the age of 83. Verily to Allah we belong and to him shall we return. By the grace of Allah the Almighty, he was a Musi. His father, Sufi Khuda Baksai, pledged allegiance in Qadian at the hand of Hazrat Khalif Masih II in 1928 at the age of 17. Karimullah Sizirwi Sahib was also the son-in-law of Malik Sefur Rahman Sahib. He was a very scholarly person who authored various books. He also was able to render many services to the Jamaat. May Allah the Almighty grant him his forgiveness and mercy. The second funeral is of Ziri Sahib's wife, Amdul Latif Ziri Sahiba, who was the wife of Karimullah Ziri Sahib. She lived in the USA and was Malik Sefer Rahman Sahib's daughter. She passed away on 6th of January, two days after her husband's passing at the age of 78. 
Verily to Allah we belong and to him shall we return. She was a Musiya. As I mentioned, she was the daughter of Malik Sefer Aman Sahib. And her mother's name was Amtur Rashid Shokat, who used to be the editor of Al Misbah magazine in Rabwa. She was born in Qadian. She had a passion for learning. She was well educated with an MSc degree. She also had the opportunity of rendering great services for the Jamaat. May Allah the Almighty also treat her with forgiveness and mercy. Her brother Malik Majibur Rahman Sahib writes about his sister and brother-in-law. They were a very loving couple. They endured many difficulties, but they never complained about anything. I never heard them speaking negatively about anyone. Both were deep oceans of knowledge. Until their last days, they treated everyone with love, took care of their needs, and showed a great deal of love and compassion. Mashallah, they lived complete and fulfilling lives. They would have a positive impact on all those who were around them, and they were influential elders. May Allah the Almighty grant them forgiveness and mercy. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, Nahmadu, and a stain, and a stockfiru, when no men over he, and a tawakalo, when I was a villa, him in Shurian for Sena, women say, Yeah, وَمَنْ يُذِلُّ فَلَا هَذِيَ لَهُ وَنَشْهَدُ اللَّهَ إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهُ وَنَشْهَدُ أَنَّا مُحَمَّدًا مَبْدُوعُ اللَّهِ وَيَنْهَاهُ <laughs>